I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. When I completed Part 5 of the Ancient Snare series, I thought I'd finished, only to notice a pile of notes left untouched. You know, this was arguably the most difficult series I've written, and I'm sure for some of you it was troubling to hear. But what I decided to do in this one is to write the epilogue. An epilogue is defined as a concluding section at the end of a literary work that deals with the future of its characters. As I dug deeper, I was given an insightful discovery into how this final snare reveals just how long we are until Jesus comes to the clouds. Now, if you are of the belief that no one is supposed to have a clue when Jesus is returning for us, you need to know that I do not share that belief. When Jesus said in Matthew 24, But of that day and hour no one knows. My rabbi, Michael Washer, among many others, teaches that by this statement, Jesus meant that only the Father knows all about that day. You see, the coming of the bridegroom is based on the tavnit of a Jewish wedding. In ancient times, the bride always knew when the groom was right around the corner because that was the assignment of the friend of the groom or the best man. To run ahead and lead the procession, yelling at the top of his lungs, the groom is just a mile away, so the bride would be ready. That's the Jewish picture. So in this epilogue, we're going to examine what is likely to happen to the main characters in our story. If you've been listening, you should know them. Our hero is Israel, God's chosen nation and the one targeted for destruction. The villain is Amalek and his various descendants whose schemes have become more and more diabolical. We saw how Amalek showed up in the days of Queen Esther in the person of Haman, who plotted to wipe out all the Jews in the Persian Empire. Amalek surfaced again almost 300 years later as King Antiochus Epiphanes during the Greco-Roman civilization. The snare he constructed first involved flattery and cunning by seducing the Jewish priests to quit doing Judaism and conform to the Hellenistic culture of the Gentiles. It wasn't long, though, before Antiochus showed his true colors and turned on the Jews with a vengeance. His armed forces invaded Jerusalem, polluted the temple, and erected a statue of Zeus on the holy altar. Israel's continued unfaithfulness, abandoning Judaism and looking to other gods, ultimately brought about the destruction of the second temple 60 years after the first coming of Messiah. Some 1900 years later, Amalek resurfaced in Nazi Germany, the nation that originated from Esau, who was Amalek's grandfather. Germany's unnatural obsession about Jews living in their country led them to build an infrastructure of death camps and incinerators whose sole purpose was to exterminate every Jew. And over six million were killed. And here we are today, almost 80 years later, 
And where is Amalek now? Are we so naive as to think this bloodline went underground? No. Parts 4 and 5 peeled away the globalist's agenda and shows step-by-step how the vaccine rollout fulfilled a 2,500-year-old prophecy in Daniel 11. This snare followed the same playbook as the one Antiochus Epiphanes used when he polluted the temple and placed the likeness of Zeus on the altar. Only in 2020, the battlefield was different. It wasn't the physical land of Jerusalem. Rather, the terrain was invisible. Instead of polluting one physical temple on Mount Moriah, the enemy's target was defiling and polluting millions of bodily temples with a vaccine genetically modified to carry the DNA likeness of Satan and placed a spliced gene from him on their spiritual altars. Now remember, Jews were the target. Gentiles were collateral damage. Now, if this sounds preposterous, please re-listen to parts four and five, because this snare is identical to how the human race was polluted in the days of Noah right before the flood. If you or your loved one has taken the vaccine, I remind you that in the description notes to part five, I made available a free transcript you can download that shows you how you can remove yourself from this snare. In this episode, the epilogue, I bring you three insights to note as the end of days unfold. Insight number one is territorial, relative to the war going on now in Israel. This conflict between the Palestinians and Jews is spilling over now into many countries. In a recent Torah study, I found a diagram showing the 70 nations that descended from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These were Noah's sons charged with populating the earth after the flood. The Philistines inhabited the southern coast of Canaan when God led the Jews to go into the land and conquer it. An ancient map of Philistia includes Gaza, Ashdod, and Ashkelon, which have all been in the news. The word Palestinians is the modern name for the ancient Arab people who claim to be descended from the Canaanites and Philistines who inhabited this area. Now, the tribe of Judah was originally assigned that territory by Moses and Joshua, but the first chapter of Judges tells us they were not able to fully conquer the inhabitants, and that is the root behind the firestorm we see today in Israel. Another thing my research revealed is that the founder of the Philistine nation was Nimrod, who was always an enemy of Abraham and his descendants. We must understand that in the Torah, God spelled out the borders of the land that he promised Abraham and confirmed to Isaac and Jacob. As creator and sustainer of the universe, he has the right to remove land from one people and give it to another to steward in the ways that he desires. The Almighty will never bless a two-state solution, 
And this should concern us because this is what the United States has long proposed. But if you are a follower of Jesus, aligned with the God of Israel, you need to understand the position that we are to take. As hard as it is to watch people of any nationality suffer, we must uphold the things that are important to God. And that stance is going to get increasingly more difficult since so many live in our country whose God is not the Lord. And they have become more vocal and more hateful. Through this, though, the Lord is sifting every nation and every person, recording in his book of remembrance those who stand with him and with Israel in this day. Insight number two is cultural. In general, over the course of biblical history, whenever Israel turned away from following the Torah and doing Judaism, they were exiled. They lost the privilege of stewarding the land God gave them. They then had two choices. They could repent and return to their covenant with God, or they could assimilate into the Gentile culture of the nations where they ended up. Here's a brief look at how the Jews became assimilated into the European culture. After reaching its height of glory with kings David and Solomon, Israel became unfaithful. The country split into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. First Chronicles 5 tells us that God was so disgusted by Israel's long line of unrighteous kings that he stirred up the king of Assyria to invade the northern kingdom in two different waves, lasting about ten years. This began in 734 BCE. Assyria came in and moved all of the leaders into Syria and Iraq. These became known as the Ten Lost Tribes and were never granted permission to return and rebuild their homeland. What is of interest today are the cultural ties that formed when these northern Jews were exiled and began to assimilate into other countries. Many migrated to Europe and settled in Poland, Hungary, Lithuania, Romania, Germany, Ukraine, and Russia. Over three and a half million emigrated to the United States beginning in the 1600s. Now, with all of this melding of God's people, two observations are worth noting. Number one is the ultra-Orthodox community who make up only 9% of all U.S. Jews. This group is known by its strict observance of the Torah. They live in their own communities are highly persecuted even by fellow Jews, and are recognizable by the way they look and dress. A second observation is that conservative and reformed Jews make up 54% of U.S. Jews and are much less religious. In fact, only about 25% say they believe in God as described in the Bible. So broadly speaking, the last 2,500 years have seen two groups of Jews. The majority stayed where they were and became fully assimilated as Gentiles, while a very small percentage 
sacrificed everything to return to Israel and rebuild the ways of God under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. And eventually Judah became corrupted just like the northern kingdom, and God gave them over to the Roman Empire who destroyed the second temple some 60 years after Messiah's crucifixion and resurrection. The Jews that remained in Israel were further Hellenized. They quit doing Judaism. The priesthood was turned over to whoever paid the most money for the positions. And the culture became more and more like the Gentiles who were in power. And here we are, almost 2,000 years later, right before the day of the Lord. Insight number three are today's political alliances between Israel and Germany, the ancestral home of Amalek, and how the globalists are manipulating these alliances to set up the final kingdom that will lead us straight into the day of the Lord. Now, I don't have all the pieces figured out yet, but I feel the need to pass on my observations on how Amalek is resurfacing in case I am no longer here and God calls one of you to develop what I see. Amalek Alliance number one is between Klaus Schwab, the German founder of the World Economic Forum, the WEF, and his chief advisor, Israeli Yuval Noah Harari, who is a history professor at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Schwab was born in 1938 in Nazi Germany, and his father was a contractor for the Nazi regime. You may recognize his name as the mastermind behind the Great Reset. This is the governing template proposed by the WEF, made up of the world's political, economic, and cultural elite who are busy creating initiatives to reduce the world's population and concentrate control of the world's resources into the hands of a global elite. His top advisor is Israeli Yuval Harari, whose books have sold more than 20 million copies. Harari's ideas are literally shaping the narrative of the final kingdom. Heads of nations listen to this Jewish scholar who does not embrace the God of the Bible. Here's a quote taken from his book, Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow. Quote, We are one of the last generations of Homo sapiens because we are learning how to engineer bodies, brains, and minds. The future of the planet will be decided by the people who own the data which is the most important asset in the world. It is no big deal anymore to hack computers, email accounts, bank accounts, and mobile phones. Now we can hack human beings. We can now track your eye movements, your blood pressure, your brain activity, and tell you who you are. This information will be worth billions The algorithms can predict my desires, manipulate my emotions, and even make decisions on my behalf. Now notice there is no mention of God anywhere in his worldview. 
He is a Jew who has been fully assimilated into the Gentile world, whose God-given gifts are now being mentored by a likely descendant of Amalek. Together, their alliance is shaping the final kingdom. Amalek alliance number two is between Israel and Pfizer, the global biopharmaceutical company founded in 1849 by two German immigrants. Pfizer is led by Dr. Albert Bourla, a Greek Jew whose parents were survivors of the Holocaust. In Part 4, I explained that while celebrating Hanukkah in 2022, I happened to be studying Daniel 11. And suddenly the revelation of how the vaccine rollout fulfilled to the letter Daniel's 2,500-year-old prophecy jumped off the pages. This revelation was so personally and spiritually profound that I began seeking understanding as to how the globalists pulled off this deception. And I have been warning listeners about this snare ever since. Let me refresh your memory with the metaphorical interpretation of Daniel's prophecy after breaking out the meaning of the Hebrew words in chapter 11. Quote, Something is being shipped by Hellenistic one-world forces, using arms as stretched out, boring a hole through the skin to deliver something designed to pollute the temples of God's people. Unquote. Before closing, I want to leave you with three biblically relevant dates in this Israel-Pfizer alliance that confirm its danger and support the theory that I'm warning you about. The first date to note is March 11, 2020, when the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic. Six days later, Pfizer signed a letter of intent with the German company BioNTech to co-develop a vaccine. These two companies poured all their resources into it. They developed the vaccine that year and manufactured 3 billion doses by the end of 2021. Again, the date was March 11, 2020, which was the 15th of Adar on the Hebrew calendar. This is the date Haman chose to destroy all the Jews in the Persian kingdom. I believe this date was God's billboard announcing the globalist intent to pollute the blood of every Jew in the world. The second important date is Hanukkah, the eight-day festival which runs from the 25th of Kislev through the 3rd of Tevet. This was the date when Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem and polluted the temple. It was also the date in 2020 on which the first vaccine shot was given in the UK, the first shot was given in the US, and in Israel when nanotech molecular structures were injected through holes bored by syringes into the arms of millions of unsuspecting Jews. This alliance deepened further when Israel and Pfizer memorialized and published a vaccine-related agreement, again during the season of Hanukkah in 2020. Pfizer agreed to give Israel enough vaccine at a discounted price to inoculate the entire adult population 
in exchange for Israel giving Pfizer all of the biometric data in the rollout. A third significant date was July 15, 2022, when Israel reported administering over 18 million doses, which was enough to vaccinate 100% of the population. The date of that report was the 16th of Tammuz, which is known by devout Jews as the time of the breach. This was the historical date when the physical walls of Jerusalem were breached by both Babylon and Rome, leading to the destruction of both temples. And sadly, it was the same date when cellular walls were breached inside the bodies of every Jew who took the vaccine and their temples were dedicated to another god. That is Amalek's snare. So in closing, where do we stand today? Let me leave you with two key end-time markers to be mindful of in the days ahead. Number one is the emphasis the global agenda has on the collection and control of biometric data. Everything we allow, blood samples, mandated nose swabs, digital fingerprints, conversion to a digital cashless society, graphene oxide particles inside our bloodstream which connect the vaccinated to the internet, enable them to track and monitor our every movement. Israeli Yuval Harari was quoted in 2015 that the technology for all of this would be in place by 2024. He said, quote, The big battle will be between privacy and health. Do you give access to what's happening in your body and brain in exchange for health care? My guess is, this is his words, my guess is people will give up their privacy in exchange for the global government taking care of them, unquote. The second marker to leave you with, to take note of, I'm still developing. It concerns the historic agreement that Israel made with Pfizer during Hanukkah in 2020. I believe history will show this date will kick off a seven-year period which parallels the last seven days of Jesus' life, ending in the physical removal of his body from planet Earth. If I am correct, this places us in the last three-and-a-half-year period before what's referred to as the rapture. Up until that time, life is going to be more and more oppressive, and true followers of Jesus will be hated and persecuted. This is our time to stand, to occupy our place until he comes. The Father has assigned angels to set up camp around us, to provide for us and protect us in supernatural ways. I invite you to check out the resources and curriculum that I have been developing over the last seven years to prepare you for these days. I'm here to help. Invite me to do an online teaching for your group. Just go to CandiceLong.com and look at my resources, monographs, and instructional courses. 
I was called specifically to teach about these end of days, and my mandate is to help you fulfill your divine calling and destiny. I will be writing and producing as long as God gives me breath. You can reach out to me using the contact form on my website. I would love to hear from you. I'm Candace Long. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.